Welcome to The Fully Lived Life, a podcast for those who are longing to pursue the full life and want to break free from anything that holds them back. Listen in as two friends, a psychologist, Dr. Mary, and a life coach, Jillian, talk about life, love, and purpose through the lens of faith, science, psychology, and life experiences. Well, good day, Mary. Good day, Jillian. <laughs> I'm making a little dance move You are. Here. Are you Are you warming up or cooling down, or what are you doing over no, there? Well, I'm just feeling happy to see you. That is and awesome. And my body is showing my <laughs> happiness. <laughs> While she's sitting in a chair. Yes, exactly. So she's basically all arms like an octopus right yeah, now. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, you didn't have to tell them that. Yes, I I, I think I looked rather elegant, but now they see the real picture. It is It is lovely. It truly mm. is. Mm. Anyway, I'm just, uh, you know, checking in with you. Like, I heard a phrase that I've heard in the past before. Someone posted on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And it just, oh, it sat well with me. The phrase is, we are all just walking each other home. Oh, How does that land on you? I love that. I do too. Wow. Talk about layers. I could, my mind is already going in five different directions that I could go with this. Me too. But I just want to throw that out because Mm -hmm. uh, when I saw that on Instagram, I sort of took a pause Mm -hmm. and just let it settle. Yeah. And I thought, wow, if we could just embrace that. Yeah. Right now in this crazy old world. Yeah. We are all, and first of all, we're all walking ourselves home mm-hmm. and we're all walking each other home. Yeah. And some of us are limping and yes. some of us are sprinting. Yes. Um, some of us are being carried. Mm-hmm. Right. That's beautiful. So I just, I love the, I love the visuals I'm getting from it, but I'm also loving the way it's landing in me to mm-hmm. make me think. Right. Yeah. When I think about home, uh, oh, wow. Like different directions. Um, home, of course, for me, denotes uh, safety, yeah. warmth, love, connection. Acceptance. Acceptance. Belonging. Belonging. And home also denotes for me is coming home to myself, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but I'm, you know, I've been having conversations with some um, young leaders in the last week. And the theme that keeps coming up as I'm trying to live it out in my life, is being able to show up the true me. Yeah. And so it's like coming home to ourselves because we were already created in a very, very unique, beautiful, distinct way by God. And yet life tells us um, that there's something wrong with you. Right. Um, You don't fit in. And so we spend our life running away from home. Yeah. And or getting lost. Or getting lost. You know, sometimes Can't we're just way back. sometimes we're just lost. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I think that's a great sort of image to keep in mind as we go forward with our podcast because we want to welcome uh, our listeners home. That's right. To themselves. To themselves. And to belong. And to belong. And for those who are uh, followers of Jesus Christ to belong to him, too. Yeah. Like, that's just ugh, beautiful. Yeah, I know. So I thought I'd throw that out there this morning because it just, you know, when things sit with you for a little yeah. bit. And of course, when things sit with me, then I got to share them with you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, um, and it leads us really into what we're going to talk about this yes, morning, right? Uh-huh. Um, so what are we talking about today? 
What's our what? What's our what? Well, um, I posed a question to you uh, for you to think about. And it's why, and it's kind of in line with coming home to ourselves and knowing who our true self is, is why do we struggle to pursue what we want? What brings us joy? Oh, I thought about this one. Yeah. I hope I didn't keep you up. No. Do you want me to respond right now? Yeah. Okay. Do that. Um, So when I was thinking about this, for me, I was like, what? Why do I struggle with to pursue what I want? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I boiled it down to the word duty. Uh-huh. The dirty little word duty. Yes. Um, so I think I struggle with this because of this underlying sense of duty. Mm-hmm. Um, that there are, you know, the household needs, there's things to do. Mm-hmm. The needs of others that come before my own needs. Mm-hmm. And so maybe for me, there's this deep sense that my needs are not as important Right. Or that it's selfish to place a high value on oh, my own needs yeah. and wants. Totally. I feel the same way. Yeah. So the word duty really struck me when I thought of that. Mm-hmm. For me, the word selfish is mm. what rings in my mind. That if I pursue what I want, that's selfish. That's self-focused. If I, you know, and I, and I purposely link the two questions together. What do you want and what brings right. joy? Because I think... Um, in my upbringing, conservative Christian, where it's all about sacrifice and suffering, and it's all about uh, serving others, which I'm not saying that that's not an important part of our calling, but if we're able to serve out of what brings us joy, would we not like bring God great pleasure in doing that? Would we not be much more attractive to others? And so like, I don't, like for me, here I am in my mid-50s still trying to discover what I want, what brings me joy. And I think that, you know, that would be true of a lot of people, that they are still trying to figure out, what do I want? Yeah. Oh, that is probably the number one question I'm working through with the coaching. I know you do the same thing with the coaching with people is they, 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 they're just kind of doing life or they're, you remember uh, last episode, we talked about uh, internal versus external locus of control. So they're letting like the demands of others shape what they do and even what they want. And I think that when I ask, when people ask, what do you want? I'm like, "Mm." I know it's, we stumble on it. We stumble on it. And sometimes we feel embarrassed to actually say what we want. Well, I think about when you were a little girl and your mom or dad or or an aunt or somebody asked you what you wanted, did you have to think about it? No. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I know that I wanted that dress with the ruffles and the sparkles and the sequins and all of that, that was like, you know, in the shop window because my mom made all my clothes. Yes. So I wanted something like, like just something that I picked. Right. I walked into a store and I saw the dress and I went, that's what I want. Right. Something you picked and I noticed you said frilly, sparkly. Yeah. Like something super pretty to a little girl. Yes. Yeah. And I do remember getting something when I was a little girl from our neighbor down the street, Mrs. Petroff. Oh, she was a beautiful person. And she bought me this, I called it my cucaracha dress. Oh. Because it was layers of ruffles and it was just the most impractical dress ever, but I loved it. You know, the thing that's interesting, you say impractical, because now I would describe you as very practical. It's almost like the impractical was worn out of you. The impractical was, um, it didn't fit into the budget. Uh, You know, it didn't fit into the... The usefulness of the thing. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and because, you know, I, we've talked about this before, I came from an immigrant family right. where the practical had to come first so that there was, yeah. you know, food on the table and the bills were paid. Right. Right. And how much of that do we project on God, that scarcity, we can only do something because he's not going to bless us with this activity or this thing just because we want it or it's fun. Like we just kind of lose sight of the extravagance of God. Right. Well, you just have to, you just have to be near a sunset. I was up on Lake Huron and I'm telling you, like, talk about extravagant. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, Clouds upon clouds and sun upon sun and waves upon waves. And it's just like, okay, Lord, you are showing off tonight. Yeah. So if he can do that, why would he not do that with the the people he most adores? I totally agree. But it's hard to get that from my head to my heart, man. Yeah. Come on, that that how many inches is it? Like 13, 14 inches? It's, it's like it's, it's like a, a lot. It's like Everest. I know. Oh my goodness. And there's a lot of junk in between the yeah. two. So that's a really great question I want the listeners to think about is um, what why do we struggle to pursue what we want and what brings us joy? Yeah. And um, I thought it would be a fun exercise to kind of go around the Enneagram. Oh, we haven't done that for a while, yeah. so that's good. Yeah, and then okay. kind of talk about it from each perspective as to why we may struggle to um, pursue what we want or even sure. to know what we want. So do you want to start as an sure. eight? Sure. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to start. So the Enneagram eight. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so... Enneagram 8s love to have control, love to have the power, um, love to um, not be, you know, not be manipulated or used by people. Mm -hmm. So for me, it would be not feeling a sense of my power to choose. So again, that dress. Right. You're going to get this because... It's practical and it was made from for you and it's going to last a long time. And it was chosen for you. Versus this sparkly, silly dress that you right. want, right? Right. Um, and then feeling unsafe. So I have to hide our my authenticity, so who I really am. Mm-hmm. So if I'm... So this comes down to my core fear of being vulnerable, yes, right? Right. And so if I'm vulnerable, mm. then you're going to see the real me. Mm-hmm. And are you going to like the real me? So you know, put up the wall yeah. and protect my heart yeah. so that you don't, um, you don't get to see that part of me so I can hold you at a distance. Mm-hmm. No, I don't do that with you, of course. Mm-hmm. You know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, but on a scale of others, that mm-hmm. would be it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for our eight listeners, that, you know, does that resonate with you? That uh, being, a- being able to even identify and express what you want uh, can be so vulnerable. Yes. And then, of course, that means you're going to possibly be disappointed and you've opened yourself out there. Yeah. And then, like, slam. Exactly. Yeah. Now everyone knows my my inner workings. That's scary. Mm-hmm. So what about a nine? Let's just kind of go around the circle. Uh, well, you know, we have a nine as a friend. We have an, I have a nine as a husband. Um, so what do you think about that, the nine? Um, I think that <laughs> nines of, of, um, like is one of the ones who typically really struggles to identify what they want. Now their gut tells them, their body tells them, but they've learned over the years to ignore their body. And I think it's, uh, maybe a fear of conflict, a fear of disappointing others, yeah. fear of angering others. Like for them, they want to stay in their Zen place, which means getting along with everybody else. Right. And I think the whole term fitting in describes the nine. Absolutely. So and if they're trying to fit in. 
And peace at all costs. Peace at all costs. So then to pursue what they actually want would feel like it could shake up their peace. And it might feel selfish to them because they're disturbing the peace of others if they assert themselves. Right. And let others know what they really need. Right. Yeah, I think so. Mm. So what about a one? What do you think, Jillian? Well, one, you know, unfortunately, the ones are all about following the rules, right? Yeah. And abiding within the guardrails Mm -hmm. so that they get things perfect. Right. Um, So, you know, unfortunately for the ones, it's following the rules and feeling locked into their roles Mm. that they can't dream beyond the role Mm. because the role that they're in or the role that they're playing at is has rules attached to it, and to go away from that mm-hmm. would be maybe selfish. Right, would cause strife. Yep, uh, would maybe um, make them look like they're all that. Right. Yeah. So they want it, They just play by the rules. That's right. I, I had a profound conversation with a close friend who's a healthy one, uh, and yet she still has this sense of duty and, you know, she's committed to this thing and I was able to encourage her to do what she actually wants. Uh, and uh, it, it it took some processing for her because she had to fight that feeling of guilt. Yeah. Um, like she's letting down the, the, the thing that she's doing. She's letting down God and she's not being a good person. Right. And so that's something that could prevent ones from um, pursuing what they want. The other thing with the one is sometimes they've excelled at something in their life. Yeah. And so they've been pigeonholed by that thing. Ooh, like, good point. you're really good at math, so you should be an accountant mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. a math teacher. Yep. And because people have called that out in them, they follow that, but yet it's not anything to do with their passion, their joy, yes. what they want. Yes. Yeah. You know, maybe they want to work with wildlife rescue, but mm-hmm. it doesn't fit in the box of the mm-hmm. of where people have placed them. Yeah, that's excellent. So yeah. twos, oh, yes. that's you yeah. and half the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love you twos. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I have a hard time identifying even what I want because twos, we are so um, externally focused mm. on the needs and wants of others that to tune into what's happening inside my heart. And the thing that's so ironic is I'm a heart forward personality. Yes. And yet... I can pick up on other people's hearts much more than mine. Uh, And then if I, it it feels selfish is the word I've said already. And it feels like if I ask others for what I want, then I'm being demanding and I'm not caring well for them. So it's it's this constant feeling that I, I must sacrifice for others even at my expense. And I know, having studied the Enneagram, that I I can easily frame it as I'm doing it for others and I'm so, like, unselfish and all that, but it's a deep need within myself to earn yes. love and approval. Which comes down to pride, right? It does. Which most twos wouldn't consider themselves prideful people. No. it's, it's But their pride is actually in giving, giving, giving. It is, and that, and also that we don't need. Right. And but you so, do need. I know, I know. I, I'm getting help. So you like, are. You know, part of how why I was dancing this morning, you'd ask me how I was feeling, <laughs> is that I'm feeling pretty good because I actually am doing what I want and what brings me joy. 
and and not having to make excuses for it, which is or rationalizing. It. Awesome. Okay, so let's move on to a three. <laughs> well, threes are the competitive achiever. Uh huh. Um, so I have coached a number of threes, and I know a few threes for mm-hmm. sure in my own circle, and they're. They have a huge fear of failing, mm-hmm. um, especially if they dream a big dream or and it's outside the realm of what they're naturally gifted at. Mm-hmm. What if they fail? What if mm-hmm. I choose this thing and I actually can't achieve that? Right. Um, and what if I get it wrong? Right. So um, they will tend to stay in, you know, in their zone where they really achieve and stay mm-hmm. in that thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe it's sales or whatever, mm-hmm. and they really want to go and be an artist. Right. Well, and the interesting thing about a three is uh, they're also right in the center of the heart. So they are heart forward personalities, but they come across and they tend to focus on tasks. Yes. So if they're focusing on tasks and they're looking at success, and of course, what other people think about them is so important. Yes, it is. Then they're looking at how do I uh, portray success to the world, then they're not tuning in to what their heart wants, uh, especially if what their heart wants may not be seen in the world as success. That's right. So that would be a struggle. For yeah. Them. And so when I'm coaching a three, I, I say to them, I want you to go and do something that you're probably going to fail at. Mm-hmm. Like painting a painting with your left hand when you're actually right-handed, mm-hmm. just to get past that fear that the world is not going to crumble when you do that. Yeah. I love that. That's a really great exercise. So the number four, yes. and, you know, four is this creative person, right? Mm-hmm. Creative and also idealistic. Yeah. They're the ones that I think uh, understand deeply at a very sacred level how life was supposed to be uh, yeah. and how relationships should be. And so I think they live with this perpetual sense of disappointment that it doesn't measure up. And so why bother trying to pursue what they want or what brings them joy? Because maybe it's just not going to work out anyway. So there's almost a sense of hopelessness that can happen mm. uh, and this anticipation that um, it's going to be, be blo- it's going to blow up in my face anyway. So why even try? Oh, I know. It makes me feel very sad. I know. And because fours, you know, have so much in a of beauty and creativity to offer to the world mm-hmm. that it would, to hold back, seems that we're all being robbed. I agree. I agree. And I think for fours, again, being in the heart center, they have a deep longing for connection. And, yes. and probably of all three, the two, three, and four are best able to know it and identify it. Um, but they're, they feel perpetually disappointed by oh. Like people not being so present for them, right? Yeah. So what they want, what may bring them joy is something that they may also be afraid of because of the pain and they feel pain so deeply. Yes. Disappointment is So why would you them. want to go there? I know. Because. I know. A healthy four recognizes that that is where life and the fullness of life is. It's in the messiness. It's in the fullness. It's in the unfinished and just being able to be present to that and not think about how it could go wrong or how it's less than. Right. Yeah. Okay. So number five, um, well, you know, fives again, risk of feeling incompetent. Fives usually have everything together. In fact, they have everything together for themselves and they have everything together for everybody else. Well, they're slow to decide on things because they analyze and analyze. Because they don't want to get the decision wrong. They don't want to get it wrong. And five, six, and sevens are in the head 
part of the uh, Enneagram. And so they're, they kind of want to stay in their head yes, and stay in their thinking about, and they, they pros and cons themselves to death. Yeah, that they I think lose touch with what their heart wants, what they actually what make brings them joy. And I think my big um, my big disappointment for the five when I'm coaching them is their inability to play. Mm. Oh yes, right, uh, right, because they are so much in their head mm-hmm. that they're trying to think of like the sunscreen and the beach umbrella and the towel and the water shoes. They can't just go to the beach and enjoy the waves right. and just play. Right. So that's a big thing for me when I'm coaching fives mm-hmm. is to get out and play. Mm, I love that. And six, and I know a lot of sixes, and I'm married to one as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the word that comes to mind when I think about six is responsible. Oh, yeah. Loyal. Yep. And, uh, you know, with that comes... Uh, like a steadfastness to what they've committed to. Uh, but often that commitment comes out of a sense of duty yeah. and it comes out of what um, people in, in positions of authority expect of you because they are very respectful of authority and following proper procedure and all that. Um, and I think they they struggle with a fear of making the wrong decision. You know, sixes are so wise and yet they have trouble trusting their own um, wisdom and their own instincts. And so they can take a long time to make a decision. And of course, being in the head place, mm-hmm. they're, um, it's hard for them to even know what they want. And uh, in many conversations with sixes, when I ask them, what do you want? They're, they're always like, uh, I don't know. I really don't know. And then it'll be about, well, I really want to provide for my family or I want to make my kids happy. And it, it's kind of like, again, their responsibility to others. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, in a relationship with a six and I can see that, especially um, the making the wrong decisions. Mm-hmm. So overthinking the decision over and over again yeah. to make sure that it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I love them to be more gut centered. Yeah. They just trust their gut. Yeah, like you're a wise person. You, yeah. you, you know, you can leverage all the wisdom you've used in the world before mm-hmm. to trust your gut mm-hmm. because it's usually accurate. Yeah, and if you think about the journey of a six as a little child, they were kind of left to their own devices and had to kind of find their way themselves. So mm-hmm. if it was a lot about surviving. And, and, and trying to keep safe and keep others safe, right. there's no time to think about what they actually want to do. No. So I think play actually is a good strategy for them It is. Well. It really is. And, and when they're allowed to just go and do that thing, because often the sixes have, uh, they risk big too sometimes. They do. Like it's so weird mm-hmm. because they'll be so like in control, but then they'll go and risk. Yeah. Like I've seen your hubby ride a motorcycle, right? <laughs> yes. So like... All of a sudden, you yeah. know, he's calculated, but yeah. he's going for it too. That's right. Yeah. And and he regularly will do things to face his fears. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is, it's it's funny because they can face the fears of, you know, like physical activities or, or, you know, challenging decisions. But when it comes to facing themselves and what they want, it just seems like it's hard for them. Mm. So 
So sevens. Sevens. Well, oh. What do you think about sevens? We have a bunch of seven friends. Yeah, we have a bunch of seven friends. Well, um, I think for the sevens is this feeling trapped by others' expectations of them. Mm. And, you know, the sevens are, they're, wow, they're the life of the party, aren't right. they? Right. They come in and they kind of are bubbly and enthusiastic. And actually they can get enthusiastic about many different things. Yes, yes. Right? And once it stops being fun, they move on very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes there's this fear that um, I'm letting people down mm -hmm. because I'm not sticking with something mm. or I'm not committed. They, they see me as less committed because mm -hmm. um, it takes a little bit of effort on the sevens part to stay with something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so in relationships, that can be tricky, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is when I think about a seven, you would think of all the numbers. They're the most skilled at knowing what they want and going for it. Um, but if we look at the core driver for a seven, it's them pursuing things to avoid pain. Yes. And that's not the same as pursuing things for joy. Right. Right. So I think for a seven, it's being slowing down enough to be present and paying attention to how they actually feel in each moment so that they're just not filling themselves with lots of busy activity and things that look externally fun, mm -hmm. but doesn't actually bring them joy. And I think the risk for the seven is when they don't stick with the thing, they're actually letting themselves down in a big way. Mm -hmm. Not just others, yeah. but they're also letting themselves, because they don't get to sit with their own pain long enough mm -hmm. to grow through it. Right, right. Because they're on to the next thing quickly. Mm -hmm. So for a seven, mm -hmm. what is the thing that you started mm -hmm. that you may just need to stick with and finish mm -hmm. and give yourself a big gold star at the end because mm -hmm. you finished it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you've stuck with it. Right, yeah. And allow yourself to feel some of the discomfort. Yeah that that brings because quite frankly that's kind of like life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I think that's that's the um a good way to wrap this up is that when we ask the question what do you want what brings you joy? It's not actually about pain free. No. Or about sort of like what we would call happiness and I'm saying this in quotes. Uh joy is a deep sense of belonging back to the the question about coming home like the sense of oh this really lights up my spirit. This is what I was created to do. This is what brings me such joy. This this connection I'm having with my friend or my family is just, oh, that type of thing. And 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 even though it's not practical or whatever it might be. Right. So, um, you know, it, I, I've been reading this book by Brene Brown, uh, Braving the Wilderness. And the whole sort of conversations about belonging. And, and she says, and I, and I, I love this quote, Belonging to ourselves means being called to stand alone, to brave the wilderness of uncertainty, vulnerability, and criticism. So that's going back to belonging to who you really are, being true to yourself. Yeah. Which if you are belonging to yourself and you're true to yourself, then maybe you'll know what you actually want and what brings you joy. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just letting that sink in a little bit. And I'm thinking about at times in my life when I've stood alone, mm. I've felt that there was something wrong with me. Um, <gasps> like, why didn't I see things the way others saw them? Or why was my experience of something or a situation very different than that of others? So it's made me feel more alone. Yeah. Yeah. 
as opposed to belonging. Right. And that's a really good point because Brene Brown talks about the difference between fitting in versus belonging. Because fitting in is you kind of, which I'm so great at doing because that's what a two does, is you just do whatever others want to be able to fit in. But what she describes as belonging is that you show up as the true you. And to truly belong and connect with others, it's as who you are. And the people who can't accept you as you are, they're not people you belong to. That would just be you trying to fit in. And we do need that connection. I think belonging ultimately is the two sides, the belonging to yourself, but also belonging to others. And I would include God in that as well. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking back to what we were talking about at the very beginning when we were talking about this sense of who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And what we want. And when you're in when, for instance, I'm speaking uh, for myself as an eight. When I'm able to be my vulnerable self with others, yes. I feel I feel belonging. Yes, I feel like I'm safe. I yeah. feel like I can be myself, mm-hmm. my true self, mm-hmm. and I feel that sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. That's rich. Like mm-hmm. it really is rich. Yeah. So what you're saying about if they can't take the real you, they're probably not your people. They're not your people. Yeah, it takes courage. And I think if we can let go of our desire to fit in and actually pursue true belonging, uh, there is joy in that. Yeah, that, I mean, just, I think that's tweetable. Yeah. Fitting in is not necessarily belonging. No. The two are very different. Yeah, no, we don't want to lose our true sense of self. Yeah. So this quote, I just want to kind of end with in, um, uh, from from the book, uh, Brene Brown says, Belonging so fully to yourself that you're willing to stand alone is a wilderness, an untamed, unpredictable place of solitude and searching. It is a place as dangerous as it's breathtaking, a place as sought after as it is feared. The wilderness can feel, often feel unholy because we can't control it. Oh, yeah. Ooh, or what other people think about our choice or whether to venture into that vastness or not. But it turns out to be the place of true belonging and it's the bravest and most sacred place you will ever stand. Wow, that is, that's a very challenging quote for me to listen to mm-hmm. because it does resonate with me deeply. Um, I love it because of this idea that true belonging is both brave and sacred. Yeah. Yes. Oh, those words. Yeah, that's just, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to sit on that. Yeah. Because this untamed, unpredictable place of solitude and searching mm-hmm. really allows us to get to know ourselves at a very deep level mm-hmm. that we tend to sort of cover up and run from and crowd out with a lot of noise. Right. Yeah. Ah. Oh, so what are we going to do about that? What can we offer our people? Um, from a psychological perspective, mm-hmm. I'm going to suggest something that Brene Brown herself has done because okay. I love the idea. So she talks about uh, writing permission slips for ourselves. Yeah. And so for her, she wrote a permission slip to not be so serious. Um, so what would be your permission slip? Like, for example, I give myself permission to have fun today <laughs> or I give myself permission to be goofy today. Um, what would be your permission slip for yourself today? Me? You're asking yeah, me? I'm asking you. Oh, I think for me, it's to be vulnerable with others. My permission slip is to be vulnerable with others, to let them in on my inner world. Yes. Ah, oh, why do I have to get I the hard ones? I am double signing that for you. <laughs> why do I have to get the fun ones? Why can I not have fun and goofiness? Because you're growing. <laughs> hey, I, could, I pick fun and goofy. 
That's why I was doing the octopus dance. Oh, okay. Um, I think she got off lightly, people. <laughs> hey, you've, you've nailed me a few times, so... <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to go back to episode, the first episode of this new season, uh, Mary, when you shared about having to sit in the pain of a very deep reckoning in you. That was very brave mm. because you knew you couldn't rush through it. You couldn't pack it up quickly and put a bow on it and go, I processed it. Mm-hmm. You really had to sit with it and process it without mm-hmm. rushing. Mm-hmm. So what was sacred about that to you while you were brave doing that? I felt so tr- the true me. Yeah. Uh, even though I know I was crying and I was, you know, feeling all the emotions, it felt so honest. Wow. And um, I felt like I didn't have to hide. There's a real I, sacredness to that. Yeah. I think the, the, the gift of not having to hide anymore, and because I've been able to let go of my fear of what people think. Yeah. Uh, and the, what, the other sacred part of it is I felt deep in my spirit that as I let myself do that, um, God would speak to others through that. Wow. So using that pain... Yeah. To minister to others. Yeah. Wow, that's that's massive. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to move into, um, so Mary's challenged you to do your permission slip. And uh, the life coaching exercise that I would suggest for this particular episode would be, recall a time when you showed up brave and were true to yourself. Because we all have had those times in our life where we know we showed up brave and it probably felt very scary. Mm-hmm. It probably felt vulnerable and a little untamed and unpredictable. Um, do Write it out, mm-hmm. draw it out, mm-hmm. um, make a visual memory of it for yourself. So whatever you need to do to create that, you know, it's almost like a trail map <laughs> in yeah, the wilderness. Yeah. What did that look like? Mm. Um, don't leave out any details. Put as much detail in as you can. And what was going on within you that you had to come out brave? Right. That is great. That was the choice that you had to come out brave. Uh, and then as you're, as you're going through this exercise, how can you leverage this experience to be brave in the next thing you're yes. going to be called yes. to? Because we need to go from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. And recognize your strengths because exactly. we tend to diminish that. We do. And we go, oh, well, that was just that time that was with blah, that, blah, blah. Yeah. No, it was that time. Yeah. And you were time. brave and you were being called to be brave. Yeah. And as, if you're a parent, um, boy, you can lean into this exercise for your kids because mm-hmm. they've had to be all kinds of brave oh, yes. during these last number of months. And actually, I would also add that if you struggle to think of a current example as an adult, think about yourself as a child. Yes. Um, if you can't even remember that, talk to people who knew you then. And yeah. there, they'll, there, there will be signs of the true you when you showed up brave and you didn't really care what people thought. That's right. Yeah, because you were just being you and you were filled with joy and delight. Wow, what a great conversation. Wow. Okay, my permission slip. Okay, Ugh. go for it. And I expect to see it on my table <laughs> ASAP. Yeah, okay, All right. teacher Mary. <laughs> All right, take care. Bye-bye. Till next time. 
Hey everyone, if you remember in episode two of this season, season two, uh, Jillian and I issued a challenge uh, to all of you to own your own space. And we wanted to make it fun and as interactive as possible. So think about things that you can do for yourself. And it could be something as simple as wearing a cute outfit that makes you feel special to doing an activity that maybe you normally would not do, but you give yourself permission to do. And so the whole idea is, uh, if you recall, it's about owning your space. Uh, anything that you do that makes you feel even more yourself, your true self. And part of it may be just a discovery of who that is. So if you could um, um, engage with us by taking uh, pictures along the way, or you could even post pictures that are representative of that experience for you. And we'd love you to post it on your Instagram and tag our Instagram page, which is the Fully Live Life. And please use the hashtag so we can track it. Hashtag own your FLL space. All right. So again, just post it uh, on your page. Tag us uh, the fully live life. And the hashtag is own your FLL space. And I think it'll just be a really great way to connect with you all, to cheer you on, uh, to have some fun along the way. But again, it's all about living into our full selves. All right. Look forward to seeing all that. And you'll see on our uh, Instagram page as well that we'll be doing the same thing. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fully Lived Life podcast. We hope you found it encouraging and helpful. Be sure to follow or subscribe so that you never miss a new episode. And if you enjoyed our show, please help spread the word by sharing with your friends and family and posting on your social media. Thanks for listening and tune in to our next episode.